Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. People like us in the journalism world and stuff like that came into that game fully knowing what the result was going to be, and that result we saw was completely expected. But I think everybody still was just so excited to be back there and hear that music pumping and the the players running out and that stadium vibrating from from the cheers and stuff. And I think uh, Michigan State and Mel Tucker and Spartan football team uh, showed out in a great way for the first home game. I just. It felt so good to like, like I've called games before, but there's been nobody there. Right. I called games, you know, in 2019 when it was Michigan State versus Penn State and they're losing 28 to 7 and it's cold and rainy or when you're beating Maryland 19 to 16 and it's like, this is depressing. Yeah. Like, why would people go to watch this? Like, after six or seven jet sweeps to the short side, you're like, I, you know, it's not <laughs> worth the price of admission. Right. Gonna go somewhere else. Gonna go somewhere else where my expectations cannot be met. But so I thought I heard you. Uh, you had to make a couple trips back and forth from the stadium yesterday. Yeah, is yeah, that right? Uh, more than a couple. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing with college radio is that you always have to anticipate the unexpected. And we were having some issues connecting with the server room, and we had some issues last week with Northwestern. And Zach Serdnick and I, who will join us here in a little bit, we're running back and forth. And mind you, it's a 10 to 15 minute walk. Like when you're running in a full suit and it's 85 out, like the amount of people who are like, oh my God, those guys look look so official. I think people thought we were tailgaters. Like I think people thought that there was just like two just, random stud muffins. Just who really enthusiastic up. Yeah. fans muffins, re- right. ready for the like, first game. I like it. Man. I mean, it, 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 but we got the broadcast in. Yeah, and we had a great time with the broadcast. I think it was our, you know, it was our best one yet. It, it, it's exciting to be able to do that with seventy thousand fans. You don't have to pump in the artificial crowd noise anymore because there's no fans. Henry, you'd know something a little bit about that when we had to do those games last year. But Miami on the clock. Zach and I, along with Aiden, will be traveling down to Miami. We'll be at Lansing Airport at approximately three forty-five in the morning on Friday morning. But regardless of the fact, going to be really, really happy to go down there. And I th- we're pretty happy because I think we fixed the Comrex issues. And more specifically, Zach fixed the Comrex issues. There we issues. go. I'm the sports broadcast director, yet he's doing a better job yeah. doing my job than even I could shout do. Out, shout out Zach for that. But we're going to move right into our first segment, what we loved and hated in this weekend of sports. I loved watching Charlotte, the 49ers, my hometown school, I guess you can call it your hometown school if you live there the first 13, 14 years of. I was actually going to go there if I didn't end up uh, getting into Michigan State. But beating Gardner-Webb and improving to 2-0 after beating Duke in week one, it's like, wow, they're actually relevant again? I mean, there was a time when they were an FCS independent team, and now they're you know they're back in Conference USA, and they've got, uh, they've got some players. Hated the fact. Hated this. And I was telling Zach this, and he can confirm. Used to be when you'd go to football games, you'd get, like, two meal tickets. Like, I, you know, I'd get two meal tickets, he'd get two meal tickets, and they would issue that right before the game. That's gone now. And then you end up having to pay $4.5 for a 20-ounce bottle of Sierra Mist. And then, 
they don't let you know that the complimentary like fountain is back on until the third quarter. Right. So you already blew all your money getting the Sierra Mist when there's another Sierra Mist at the other end of the north end zone, but they just neglect to tell so, you. So you guys, so for our listeners at home who don't know, Nathan uh, was on the football beat, obviously, and was at the game yesterday. I work for... Uh, Spartan Vision this football season, which is the video board show in the stadium. So if you were to be at Spartan Stadium and you looked up at the video board, you'd probably see my camera angle or something like that. Um, but you guys didn't get any sort of meal ticket or anything yesterday? Because I got there and uh, Bob Armstrong, our boss at Spartan Vision, was handing out green little slips worth $18 worth of food. So I went and I got a brat, I got a Mountain Dew, I got a pretzel, and I got some candy all for free. <laughs> No, we didn't get anything. We we got the thing we got was a nice sweat and a nice jog and running back to the studio oh in a full God. suit. I can cross that off my list. We'll have to... Just like we can cross going up on the bell tower at Ryan Field at Northwestern. It's like, okay, we're in a box that looks like it's straight out of like an Adams family movie. <laughs> like it's dark, it's depressing. It's like, what is here? Like <laughs> it's, it's him not and meant I to felt accommodate. Like, him and I felt like Quasimodo from the hunchback of Notre Dame, that whole bloody broadcast. But <laughs> So what's gonna happen in Miami now? Are you, what kind of treatment are you get down there? Good question. Good question. Everything's being facilitated by Ben Flieger, the football SID way. Like, I've I've tried to get in touch with, uh, what's his name, Cameron Jorby or whatever, with Miami a couple times, and they haven't heard back. But Ben's like, yeah, don't worry. I submitted everything. We'll get you a broadcasting spot. So if we can't get in, I can blame Ben, MSU's I, football I think, SID. I think they're going to end up being in the nosebleeds just next to, like, a couple drunk fans yeah. holding, yeah. The, holding yeah. the Comrex in their hands trying to broadcast. <laughs> can you spare an Ethernet cord? Can you spare an Ethernet part? All right, Shea Bath, over to you. Um, what I loved and hated about week one um, in sports for college football, or week two, I should say, for college football, uh, yesterday I loved Elijah Collins' touchdown. Now, for those of you who know me and um, know where I come from and stuff, I'm a big U of D Jesuit fan because that's where I went to high school, and I won't shut up about it, and I'm not sorry about it either. Uh, Cassius Winston went to my high school. He didn't go to yours, so that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> hey, we still but, beat uh, you 49-7 to when I was a freshman in football. We blew your butt right. out. I was talking about Cassius Winston, who played basketball. Right. But, um, no, uh, Eli is also a, a, a former <laughs> is also a former Cub. Um, so I've been rooting for him uh, ever since he arrived here in East Lansing. Um, and I think last season, because uh, two years ago was his breakout year. He had that big game against Western. He was – uh, the leading returning Big Ten rusher after uh, last season. Um, and then Mel Tucker kind of came in, and like most new coaches do, they want to kind of blow up what happened with the previous regime. And under D'Antonio's regime, it was Collins who was the go-to guy. And then Tucker, I think, kind of wanted to come do his own thing. And um, it sounded like Eli just really didn't get the right reps and maybe get a fair shot. And due to that, he really didn't get on the field a whole lot last year. But um, it was nice to see him take advantage of it. He had a great drive. Uh, I think he had two or three runs um, down to inside the red zone, caught a screen pass, made a touchdown, and I was really excited for him. It happened right in front of me on the field there. That was pretty cool. Now, the bummer was on that touchdown, he hurt his ankle. Don't know the officials of that injury, but he uh, came out in plain clothes and a boot um, at halftime, which was you know a minute or two later after that touchdown. Um, but obviously you hate to see that, but it was good to see him get back in the end zone and, and, and get excited. But the other thing I hated, and I hate this every year about college football, and I don't understand why the college football season is built this way. Michigan State played Youngstown State yesterday, an FCS school. 
Um, Notre Dame, albeit a close game, played Toledo. You know, everybody plays all these nobodies in the first one to three weeks of the season, and they get these easy wins and and all this stuff, and, and, and I don't like it. Auburn yesterday played Alabama State. And the final score was sixty-two to zero. What what are we doing here? Why is Auburn just getting a, a practice to play Alabama State? Now I get this as an opportunity for some of these younger schools to come in and make a little bit of money and and get paid to show up to these games, but it's not. This isn't football. We're not watching football. This is just a scrimmage of a, a couple athletes running around doing whatever the hell they want. You know? Did you see the Oklahoma score? Yeah, like you. Beat Western Carolina seventy six to nothing yesterday. Yeah, and Spencer is, Rattler has like five passing touchdowns in a quarter. It's and a half. just it's just absurd. Like what? What? I don't get the point of that. It only works. It only works for me if you're like a six seven win team and you're always kind of on the edge of that bull precipice. Right. Like right. if you have an issue with that, you know that's that's an NCAA thing. But like if I get Michigan State doing it just because you need as many free wins as you can. Yeah. Because once you hit the Big Ten, there's not a there's not much of a guarantee that you're going to win a whole heck of a lot of games. It doesn't really work in college basketball because the obviously the tournament and yeah, the selection it's, committee it's, it's based it's a completely different. different. I don't yeah. I don't love it in college basketball either, but it's a little bit different and I think upsets are a little more prone to happen in college basketball. But, you know, like you said if if you're a a 5-6 win team and, and you need a free win, it makes more sense to do that um and stuff like that, but Auburn's probably not struggling to get to a bowl game this year. Oklahoma's not. Notre Dame is not. All these other schools are not. Alabama's not. So why are we why are we doing I just don't get the point of it. And I'm over it and I want to see exciting games in the first three weeks of college football. Yesterday was an exciting football game if you are a Michigan State fan whatsoever. Michigan State knocks off Youngstown State forty two to fourteen. Sophomore running back Jordan Simmons has 16 carries for 123 yards. MSU runs for 275 yards. Peyton Thorne with a career day was 15 to 21 with 280 yards and four touchdowns. I think there's something as a fan there. It's a little bit magical when you go into a stadium knowing full well the outcome of the game. Like, you know, this is going to be a good day. We're going to win. And, you know, even if Michigan State can probably just get out of bed, put on their shoulder pads and win. But they did what they had to do. You didn't see a lot of Kenneth Walker. You saw some Elijah Collins, but like last week, there's a lot of guys playing. A lot of guys, more than we've ever seen, I think, at least that I've seen in maybe college football. I mean, you don't see 12 offensive linemen playing when it's not in garbage time. But for the second week in a row, you didn't see a big drop-off. Like, I don't know what your vantage point was. Were you, were you on the field or were you in the box? I was. I was was on the field uh, just left of the Michigan State sideline. And for someone like me who... Uh, on the video board show, we don't have announcers, so I'm just listening to my director all game. So I'm not quite as familiar with this roster as someone like you, who's on the football beat, would be. But I, you know, you said you mentioned that we didn't see a drop off. I didn't notice that they were making substitutions a whole lot, really. You know, unless I caught it on my camera and it was something I wanted to put up on the, on the board, um, it, it really wasn't a, a big drop off for me that I saw. So that was that. That's pretty comforting as a fan. Not to take a slight shot at Youngstown State, but I have to right here. Okay. Your offense is straight out of the 1940s. Yeah. Like, watching you run the same QB sneak, like, draw crap every play, it's like, dude, there's nine guys in the box. And then when you want to throw the ball, it's an eight-yard slant. You got a three-yard cushion. It's either over here, over here, over here. It's like, it's low, it's this, it's that. I'm like, oh, my. I mean, they got some guys that can run the ball. 
Crenshaw's a good mobile quarterback. Yeah, he Jaleel can McLaughlin can move, but that was one of the worst passing games I've seen in a long time. Ten to twenty-three for eighty-one yards. I thought their backup quarterback—I can't think of the name—Craycroft, uh, I think it was—looked better in the pocket. You know, just as sort of like a yeah traditional pocket passer than than Crenshaw ever was. But well, the th- the thing about that for me too is if you're you know, Youngstown State's head coach. And and I think, you know, all the players on Youngstown State, whether they talked about it or not, the coaching staff, whether they said it or not, I'm sure they didn't say it in practice in the week leading up. But everybody affiliated with this game knew what was going to happen. They knew Michigan State was going to win. They knew it was going to be a lot. It was going to be a fun game for Spartans. But if you're Youngstown State's head coach, the game plan and, and the play calling was just very safe. But for what reason? You come into this game as what, I think it was 23-point underdogs, 27-point underdogs, everyone's giving you no shot to win. You have nothing to lose, and that's the most dangerous thing in the world is a man who has nothing to lose. So why not go out there, throw out your standard playbook that you use for the FCS, and throw trick plays, throw deep bombs, take shots, blitz in the box, all this stuff, and, and, and just get wild with it and see what happens. That's what I loved about Michigan State's game plan, actually, uh, actually, yesterday, flea flicker first play from scrim- scrimmage. I Kenneth Walker it. to Peyton Thorne on the deep ball over to Jaden Reed. I thought, as did everybody else in attendance. Oh, it's going to be a run up the middle. Oh, it's going to be a run up the middle. Oh, it's going to be a run up right. the middle. I'm like, creative play calling. Is this the Twilight Zone or something, or what is going on? Like, yeah. who took Jay Johnson? Who last year I think at times looked like a Dave Warner clone. And actually made him a competent offensive play caller. I know. And, and it's because we're so prone and conditioned to, like you said, run up the middle, run up the middle, jet sweep short side. You know, all this stuff with the, with D'Antonio for years that mm-hmm. it was so nice to see. Because I, I was behind the play uh, when that happened. Uh, filming it, and as soon as Walker got it in his hands, I was like, "This is not a run. This is weird." Just just because the way he caught it, the way he moved forward, um, obviously because it's a flea flicker, uh, was different than a regular run. So uh, as soon as he got the handoff, I was like, "This is not just a regular play." And then he flicked it back. I couldn't even see downfield. There were too many players in my way. He flicked it back, and I was like, "They're going to score. There's no way they're not going to score here against Youngstown State." First play of the game, flea flicker, and it, and it's so cool to see. And, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Because if if they're willing to get two seventy five yard touchdowns on the first play of the game in back to back weeks, I I don't see, and and one of them's a flea flicker against Youngstown State. I bet we we see another trick play against Miami. Because if you're going to do it against Youngstown State, a small school like that, why not do it against a big school like Miami in what it, what is a very big, um, you know, program game for Tucker. This is this is this really is an gonna, ABC new yeah, kick. Yeah, this this is this is really going to show national media in the college football world what Mel Tucker is all about and if what he's doing is working outside of the Big Ten and outside of these smaller schools that they've played and I you know I'm going to go out on a limb and I forget what the actual name of the play was but the play that the Philadelphia Eagles ran in the Super Bowl to beat not to beat New England but in that Super Bowl that they beat New England where where like like Foles hands it off on a sweep and then the sweep gets reversed, and then and then Nick Foles, the quarterback, is running. It's the yeah, Philly special, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Philly special, where where the quarterback hands it off on a sweep, it, it gets and it gets reversed going the other way, and then all of a sudden the quarterback becomes a receiver. I'm calling it. That's what Michigan State runs first play next week against Miami. Maybe that's why they call it the Philly special. Can't yeah. believe I didn't connect the dots until now. But I'll I'll be honest with you, Brendan. Despite winning forty two to fourteen, I had some 
serious concerns about that Michigan State rushing defense. I, you give up 189 yards on the ground on 45 carries. What worries me is when you're a coach and you know exactly what's coming at you and you still can't stop it against an FCS school. That's the only thing Youngstown State does is run the ball. And there's not even a lot of misdirection. They'll, you know, you'll fake some handoffs. You'll bring some guys in motion. You'll have a little bit of backfield movement. But by and large, it's a very vanilla-esque offense. But And they got torched. Granted, you're without Tank Brown. Granted, you're without Drew Jordan. Granted, you're without Drew Beasley, who got hurt. But you got you to gotta shore it up a little bit. There were times, like, especially... Was it the drive? It was that drive that ended the second quarter. Yeah. Or like right before. It's like run the ball, 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 run it for a touchdown. Right. Like that can't happen. No. You cannot rush for what? 14, 15 plays. Yeah. And run the same bloody play over and over again and get five or six yards. Just and, can't happen. And that's really where the issue lies for me is it's not with the game planning. And stuff, and, and like you said, knowing what's coming at you and not being able to stop it. I, I just don't think Michigan State's defense came into this game really expecting to have to do much. And I think they kind of knew that, you know, their offense was going to be out there picking them up, making it exciting, and, and making fun plays and stuff. And for the most part, besides the running game, the defense played very well. Xavier Henderson had uh, one of the interceptions of the year so far in college football, albeit two weeks into the season, but still. Um, but I think the the issue in, in giving up all those yards and, like you mentioned, that second quarter drive is that it's about adjusting. And the best teams in the sport are those who can change the game plan and throw it out and adjust mid-game when it's not working and, and, and still come up with something that's going to work and beat your opponent. And Michigan State's defense just really didn't do that. And, and it's just like a lack of focus to me. It's it's just it's just you know you know the runs coming at you you know you can stop it you have every reason in the world to make sure Youngstown State doesn't get a first down on this drive on every drive and they just didn't do it and it, that to me that's just focus and mentality yeah you keep nine guys in the box you play man coverage across the board and you run a cover yeah, one esque scheme yeah. you leave one guy in the middle of the field everybody else yeah almost it's almost like a cover zero blitz we're gonna have nobody back and we're just gonna stack the box if you're gonna beat us you're gonna beat us through the air but. I'm excited for this upcoming Miami game. Yep. I don't know about you, but Miami the last two weeks does not look right. Right. Yes, they got gut punched by Alabama. Michigan State would have gotten gut punched by Alabama, Alabama as would have every other school division one. There's Alabama, Clemson, the Gulf of Mexico, Ohio State, the Arctic Ocean, and then everybody else, everybody including else. Michigan, despite what they'll have you think otherwise. Right. But right. For those of you who didn't see, Miami barely, and I mean by the skin of their teeth, beats Appalachian State 25-23 to after a late field goal. Although App State's a good Sunbelt team, they're a good football team, they're still a group of five school. That's a game you got to win by more than two. You got one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in all of college football. You're better coached. You've got more highly recruited guys. You're bigger, stronger. They don't look like a top 25 team right now. Mm-hmm. And I think Michigan State could easily go in there, sleepy noon kick, and find a way to win that game. Yeah. And it's almost good, I think, that Miami won that game because if they lose that game versus App State, they're going to be mad. They're going to be really mad. And I think it's more of just, oh, man, we beat App State. We finally got back on the right track. Sort of a sense of relief. But right through two games, and granted, one of those games was against Youngstown State. Michigan State has looked like the better team. Oh, 100%. And, and I think if, if Miami 
plays at all like they did in the first two games, App State or Alabama, if they play at all like that against Michigan State, I really don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a two-score game, 10 points, 14 points, something like that, and uh, Miami's not going to make it. Um, but but I do think you bring up a very good point that it is very good for the the Spartan hopeful that Miami beat App State because I think it's a wake-up call to for it to be that close, and I think losing that badly to Alabama was a wake-up call that's like, hey, you're still very far behind in college football compared to everybody else. I think Miami thought it was going to be a lot closer than that game was, but if you lose to App State, that's that's your you are in for a world of hurt if you're on that roster the next week in practice. And and I think there's no way you let that happen again against Michigan State in the following week um to make sure that you're not going through that world of hurt and all that pain again the week after that. So I, I think it is very good for Mich- for Michigan State that uh, Miami pulled off the win. And I think this is this is going to be a really fun game to watch. I really don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what to expect. I don't know, you know, what 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 we're going to see offensively from Michigan State um, against Miami's defense. All I know is Miami's favorited right now uh, in Vegas, but Michigan State is perennial perennially an underdog. So, well, and this is their first true road game of the year. Northwestern doesn't count. No, you had. Half the section there Michi- is Michigan State fans. Plus, it's only what forty, forty-five thousand people. It's one of the smaller, right? And I, I, stadiums I, in all of FCS. And I think Northwestern yeah. is going. They had a good year last year, and it was a big win for Michigan State to beat Northwestern last year at the end of the season. But Northwestern right now is still going to have to sell themselves to the college football world, uh, season in and season out, until they've really built a, a traditional program there. Well, I'm not high on Manny Diaz either. Yeah. I, I was surprised he didn't get candor after that first year when you're going six and seven, you're going four and four, and you're losing to Florida International. I mean, you're you better last year. You know, you, you were seven and two, even though the ACC's other than Clemson and North Carolina is kind of a perennial dumpster fire. Right. There's a lot of holes on this Miami team. There's a lot of holes on this Miami team that I think Michigan State can exploit, but you got to get healthy. You gotta have Drew Beasley back. You gotta have Drew Jordan back. You gotta find a way to get Maverick Hansen healthy. You gotta find a way to get Jalen Hahn healthy. Jacob Slade's arm is still saran wrapped, and it looks like Jiffy Pop with the way they've sort of cut and pasted it all together. But I'm excited, and I know Zach's excited, and he'll be joining us here right after the break that we got coming up in a couple minutes. But it's going to be, I think, the first true litmus test for Mel Tucker. Last year, nobody cared. You beat Michigan. You know, that was nice. That was great. But even if you didn't beat Michigan, probably against COVID. You had three months to prepare. You don't know the names of half the guys on your roster. Right. This is an ABC game. This is a primetime game. You win this game, and this might be a little premature to say, but you win this game, you are going to a bowl game. You're 3-0. Yeah. You have Nebraska still. You have Purdue still. You have Maryland, Rutgers. All of these teams that have serious, serious question marks. Western Kentucky, who... In a couple of weeks, I think, is going to really give Michigan State a run for their money because that's a very good football team. Yeah. The more and more I watch, the more and more I'm impressed. But <clears throat> this is more than just about being on primetime. This is more than just about having the entire country watching you and not being on a sleepy noon kickoff on BTN Network. No offense right. to BTN, but it's not ABC. You go out there and you lay an egg. Nothing worse. Nothing worse than when you're a rebuilding football program and you have a chance to show the rest of the country, this is what I can do. This is what we've been working on. We're ready for this moment. Then you go out and you just look like you never got off the plane. And 
I'm curious to see because I could see Michigan State winning this game. I could also see Michigan State regress to the mean. And I could also see a world in which everybody, including myself, is maybe a little bit too excited about the 2-0 start because at the end of the day, you did beat a, a poor SCS team that went 1-6, whose season ended in April, who's still on probation, and a Northwestern team who lost everybody and then some. So it's still early, but there's juice around this program again. There's hope around this program again that I don't think... I'm not sure if Mark D'Antonio's still here and you're going six, seven wins that you're going to have 75,000 people packing Spartan Stadium for an FCS game. Yeah. Next question. Exactly. And uh, the thing about this Miami game for me, I, I want to think about it in terms of the Big Ten landscape in, in regards to the rest of the college football world. What we haven't talked about yet so far today is what happened down at the Horseshoe yesterday. Uh, with the Buckeyes losing to Oregon, thirty-five to twenty-eight, a lot of you know we were talking about it in our our uh, impact group me and stuff yesterday. The Big Ten might have just lost their spot in the college football playoff. Now, it, it, it's going to be really unlikely. I think you know Iowa's a great football team. I watched them last night against Iowa State. It wasn't even close. They were uh, leaps and bounds ahead of the Cyclones, uh, were the Hawkeyes. But I don't think Iowa makes it past. Penn State and Wisconsin, and if they make it to the the Big Ten Championship, whoever they play there, I don't think they go the rest of this year undefeated. And even if they do that, they still might not find them find them, find themselves with a spot in the playoff. But isn't there like a little bit of like because Ohio State loses to Oregon and they're out of the playoff already? They pretty much have to go undefeated. You know, you can't lose, and to you a, have to win the conference championship. You can't yeah. lose to a Pac-12 team in the second week and, and think you're still going to make the playoff, even if you win every game the rest of the year. And I don't think they're going to do that. I didn't think they were going to do that, anyways, before they lost to the Ducks. But you know, that, that's you know neither here nor there. But so as a result of that loss, you look down the totem pole and see, okay, who's next in the Big Ten? Who else might have a shot at this? Now, Penn State, I think, is a huge favorite to win the Big Ten conference now. Um, they looked really good the past two weeks. Um, I think they're going to keep it up. But that offense was putrid against Wisconsin, though. Sean Clifford's got some serious question marks. But but to go on the road and, and and do what they did and come out with a big win and come up pretty clutch defensively like that, I think I think spoke uh, a lot to Penn State's character. But we'll know a lot more. Not to, we'll know a lot more when they beat Auburn. Right. If they play Auburn. Right. When they play right. Auburn this upcoming Saturday, that's and, what I'm going to be to see. That's the litmus test for me. And I think all of this is premature, mind you. But isn't there a little bit of, like, if Michigan State beats Miami, isn't there a little bit of, like, wait, what if, right? Like, what if they just came out of nowhere? What if they just shot out of a cannon this year and did it? Because I was spe- I was talking to my roommate who's on the coach's video team uh, and has been working with the team for the past two years. He's been at every practice, every game, all the meetings, all this stuff. And he said, if we beat Northwestern, we're going to go 5-0. and We're going to beat. Youngstown State, we're going to beat Miami, we're going to beat Western Kentucky, we're going to be 5-0 and to start the year, and we're going to be ranked in the top 25, and we're going to be Big Ten favorites, I think. And I was like, you're crazy. No way. And I, I wasn't even sold they were going to beat Northwest- Northwestern. I didn't know what was going to happen in that game, and it wasn't even close. And Youngstown State wasn't even close. And I think there's a good chance this Miami game is not close. I think there's a good chance Michigan State goes out there and wins by, like I said, 10, 14, 17 points, and really shocks a lot of people. And 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 if that happens, then it's like, no, oh, you're right, you're right. But it, that's it's, a it's, gutsy take, man. I, I I cannot get on that train early. I, I get that, but 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 that's can can you get on the fact that after that, right? So Ohio State loses, Penn State's 
iffy, but looks like a good team. Iowa's probably not going to go undefeated. Michigan State beats Miami, beats the first three teams of their year handedly, convincingly. They're in the top 25. Is it not a little bit like maybe there is a spot for the Big Ten in this playoff? You never know. Now, I think they would have to go undefeated. They'd have to win the Big Ten championship, blah, 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 blah. But there's a little bit of like what if. Well, to discuss this a little bit more after our break will be fellow football beat reporter Zach Sturdenek. We're going to talk to Zach a little bit about his first ever games with fans at MSU and his observations. You're listening to the uh, Green and White Report. I was about to say Spartan Red Zone because I'm so <laughs> used to doing that from behind, the, from behind the host. Mike's still getting a little bit used to this Green and White setup, but you are listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Welcome back to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. I'm your man, Nathan Stern, subbing in and the host chair for Luke Sloan and Trent Bailey. We're excited to be joined along by fellow football beat reporter, Zach Serdnick. Zach, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm super excited. Should be a lot of fun. Is Shabath going nuts? Before <laughs> we went to the break, Mr. Brendan Shabath, sports editorial assistant, in all his infinite glory, says that there's a chance Michigan State could make some noiseless here, that there's a chance that Michigan State might have a chance to surprise quite a few people. I have this team as a 6-7 win team going into the season. That's still where I have them. I, I can't get too excited after beating a significantly weaker Northwestern team and beating a Youngstown State team. They're better, but I still think there's a massive gulf between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten. Agreed. Um, I think that I will say... What you just said with him saying that they're going to surprise some people and they're going to make some noise, I do think they could do that. His statement about there might be a chance for a playoff run (laughs) if they beat Miami, that's way too premature for me. But I do think that this team has a lot of talent. I mean, Michigan State put up 595 yards of total offense against Youngstown State. Yeah, FCS team, whatever you want to say. 511 yards of total offense against Northwestern. That's a Big Ten team. And Michigan State's putting up 500 yards of offense. That just hasn't happened in the last half decade at least. So I'm curious to see what they can do going down to Miami in terms of that offensive unit. How was your first ever game with fans at MSU? I know you've done games before, but it was kind of like doing it in a concrete box when there's nobody there. What'd you think? Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I'm from around here, so I've been at big games at Spartan Stadium before, but for a game against an FCS team in Youngstown State, that place was rocking. I mean, 70,000 fans packed into that place. The student section was full. Everything was going nuts. And then Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson gave them the perfect opening start to that, getting the touchdown on the opening play with the flea flicker. And the stadium erupted as soon as Peyton Thorne got that ball back to him because they looked down the field and you saw Jaden Reed had 20 yards of space. So He underthrew him a little bit and he still scored. So that was the... That was the perfect way to get that game going, and the atmosphere was electric the entire day. I, I'm happy you enjoyed it, even though, again, having to run back in our suits. <laughs> like th- That's one of those memories that when you're 30, 30 years from now, it's like, hey, Zach, yeah, I know you haven't heard from me in 15 years, but just wanted to let you know it's the 20-year anniversary of the time when you and I were running around our suits through it, South Quad, and everybody was looking at us like we're absolutely nuts. It wouldn't be college radio if... 
something didn't go no, wrong, it, right? It, he has to go back and get a power cord because I'm the numbskull that forgot it with the Comrex <laughs> yesterday. He goes back and bails me out. I'm busy doing this like interesting monologue Zeke the Wonder Dog play-by-play. I'm just talking for 15 minutes on the air, you know, just kind of made it my own little Nathan Stern's 15-minute segment. That was my 15 minutes of fame. But, um, Zach, obviously you were there at the game, calling the game with me, saw a lot of different things. Do you think that MSU did enough to feel good about that win? Like, for me, I think they did. We talked about the fact that good teams, if you want to be a good team, you can't have one step forward, three steps back. Like, they did what they had to do against a lower opponent, and they didn't lower their bar to Youngstown State's playing level. Yeah, I agree. I think they did enough to do that. And I'm not even as concerned as you are about some of the stuff. I'm not that concerned about the run defense in that game because for me, I feel like it was closer to what Shabath said about the focus kind of slipped later because if you notice, Michigan State was up 28 to nothing in that game. Yeah. Michigan State didn't really give up really any first downs until they were up by three scores. It was backwards, backwards, backwards. And then the focus started to slip and Youngstown State started to drive. But especially with a team that's running a read option offense, if your focus starts to slip a little bit, one misread and they're gone. And Nathan, you mentioned the injuries. Those guys were all edge rushers. And a lot of times that Youngstown State had success, they were running off those edges. And so that's another thing that I think will be something to watch going into Miami. Well, you did have Maverick Hansen hurt, too, though. You did have some other guys. But why can't we settle on some sort of rotation? Like, that's driving me absolutely insane. Oh, we're going to have three more centers. Great. Oh, yeah, let's have Jeff Petrowski and Avery Don. Oh, yeah, Michael Fletcher, come on down. Jan the water boy that's, you know, spends more time putting Gatorade in those little orange coolers. Yeah, get some pads <laughs> on, buddy boy. Let's have some fun. Are we going to see Mel Tucker get on some sort of, like where he's going to have his 22 or is this going to be an all year thing? I'm not sure. I think that honestly, he might stick with that until he needs to change it. Uh, because as you guys mentioned, there hasn't really been a drop off. I mean, I was really impressed with what Chester Kimbrough and Charles Brantley did yesterday as the backup corners. I think that the offensive line has had some success, even with those younger guys, albeit against Youngstown state and a Northwestern front seven that's a little bit unproven but they were still moving guys Michigan State was averaging they averaged nine yards a play yesterday they were averaging eight nine yards on the ground every time they carried the ball I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you another question because last week we saw Michigan State success solely on the ground it was Kenneth Walker Kenneth Walker Kenneth Walker you had the little screen pass to Jordan Simmons and then it was more Kenneth Walker Kenneth Walker Kenneth Walker this was the first time where you saw Michigan State can beat you through the air and on the ground do you think that this could be a springboard for the rest of the season for Peyton Thorne or do you think it's a little too early to make such a proclamation I mean, I think it is very early, but I've always been really high on Peyton Thorne since he got to Michigan State. I was high on him. I know we talked about it on SRZ. I was high on him throughout the quarterback competition, and he really impressed me yesterday. And it was two throws that really made the difference in my mind with Peyton Thorne. It was one, the 85-yard touchdown pass to Jaden Reed that he put the ball right on the money between two defenders, and then Reed was able to turn on the burners. But honestly, the most impressive play, and I've seen it going around a little bit, was his touchdown pass to Jalen Naylor, the last pass he threw. The blitz is coming, blitzer in his face, he doesn't panic, hesitates, looks off the safety, 
and then throws the ball right to where Naylor was the only one that was going to be able to get it. That's a play you don't see sophomore quarterbacks making very often. No, you don't. And give the ad offensive line credit. He's not being moved off his initial spot. He has time to work through his progressions, but you still have to throw the ball 45 yards on a dime. And that play that you're talking about specifically, he's on one side of the field. If I remember correctly, he was more toward the right side of the field. Naylor's running to the complete opposite side. So he has to drop that right in the breadbasket. We saw this against Penn State last year, too, in that first half, that final game of the year. You give him time. There is some legitimately legitimate deep ball accuracy. Like he doesn't look like you know Hant Fay or Anthony Russo or more of these like gunslinger quarterbacks. He's a little skinnier, a little bit more slender. Kind of looks like Noah Kim, but people are going to be surprised when they watch him and turn on the film. Like there's legitimate game breaking ability in his arm. And the thing that I have always liked about Peyton Thorne, which thoroughly surprised me when he first uh, came onto the field for Michigan State last season. Um, as, as you mentioned, just, just a little bit of it against Youngstown State. You know, we're not going to see it a whole lot against an FCS team, but the blitz is coming. He's under pressure, doesn't panic, makes the right move, looks off the safety, blah, 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 blah. He has not once had that, like, look in his eyes of fear. Now, I don't think he's, you know, out here like Tiger Woods with a death stare or anything like that, but he's just, he's composed. He doesn't look worried. He doesn't play like that either. I remember, you know, last year, Ohio State comes into East Lansing and trounces Michigan State. It's not even close. It was never going to be blah, 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 blah. But Peyton Thorne got out there and you were like, wait a minute, this this kid can play. He's, he's out here. He's, he's making 15-yard runs on on scrambles against Ohio State. He made a couple nice throws. You know, I think the final score was like 56 to 10 or something like that, whatever it was. But, you know, it, he made some nice plays. And I think this, you know, we, we mentioned that you said this is the litmus test uh, against Miami for Mel Tucker. I think it really is for Peyton Thorne, too. And I expect him to go out there, win or lose. I think he's going to impress some people, make a name for himself uh, in this conference and maybe in uh, the college football world. And, and, and I think he's going to play good, you know, because he just doesn't seem like, like a kid who gets worried. And, and he and, doesn't make stupid mistakes. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. There's just he's he's not going to be the reason you lose very right. many games. Right. I, he has yet to prove and he might. He'll get plenty of opportunities that he can win you games solely with his arm. But for the, you know, bad, bad quarterback play that we've seen the past couple of years with Rocky Lombardi and Brian Lewerke to have a quarterback that's at least competent consistently is something, you know, a lot of schools take for granted, but it's nice to see in East Lansing. And I think Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson have had a big influence sort of tailoring their play calling, getting Thorne out on the run, finding a way to keep the ball in his hands and let him make moves in space because he's shifty. There's some athleticism right there. Oh, he can move if he he wants to. He can. Another guy who can move in space, Zach Serdnick. <laughs> Zach Serdnick, the All-American boy. I'm going to start calling the All-American boy from <laughs> Charlotte. I, just, I, know, it's, boy. I was going to say from Lansing to Charlotte to WDBM or Charlotte. I'm from Charlotte. Like, I don't know why you say Charlotte. Like, it always drives me crazy. I don't either. I don't. Not a. Don't love. Uh, don't claim Charlotte that often. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Lansing, Lansing I'm a kid. Lansing boy. Yeah, all the way, all the way up until about year before I graduated high school, I was right from Lansing, right in this area. So, so Zach's going to stay. We're going to call a little bit of an audible and Zach's going to stay with us for some of the other segments that we have going on, especially the Lions one, because just because this is a Detroit sort of base talk show, there's Michigan State, obviously, and Michigan State sports, we have to include the Lions because they're playing the 49ers. But I could give two craps about the Lions. I'm not Trent and Luke <laughs> right here who are, oh, it's 2021, woo. 
Let's go. We're going to the Super Bowl. It's our year. Jared Goff's going to be the second coming of Tom Brady. No, no, no. Like, I, I, God almighty. Trent. Like, I'm only including this because I absolutely have to. Like, if it was up to me, we'd be spending 45 minutes talking about why Sam Darnold's the best thing since sliced bread, but oh, I can't do that. God. Trent, if you are out there listening, which I would take a safe bet that you are if you are able to, uh, I'm very excited to make fun of Stearns for that yeah. right there after Me the too. Lions win today. I'm very excited, and I know you are too. If Detroit wins more than four games this year, I will be surprised. But got some MSU small sports updates to transition into. Michigan State's men's soccer team, 2-3 and three on the season after falling to Bowling Green on Labor Day. Damon Rensing calls it an ugly game. I don't know if any of you guys were able to catch any of that Tulsa game last night, but they got smacked. I, Tulsa's a ranked team, but... Second year in a row, we've seen a little bit of scoring trouble from the forwards, from the middies, from that offensive attack. From, uh, from very from, yeah. talented forwards, yes. too. I was I was uh, working that Bowling Green game for BTN Student U, and there's there's something that's 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 not mentioned here. Is Bowling Green was uh, up to nothing, and then their captain, their best player, got a red card, got sent off, and five minutes later, Bowling Green scored again with ten men on the field. So I don't know. You know, this men's soccer team had a lot of hype around them starting this year, and I think. They have a lot of room to improve and a long season ahead of them, but they need to turn it around pretty quickly. I remember saying that last They just haven't looked the same since that College Cup loss. Yeah. You know, that 5-1 College Cup loss in 2019 to Akron. But they are away right now, set up, set to square off against Notre Dame on September 14th. Nice to see to see to have that MSU field hockey team having some degree of success. 4-0 on the season. They've outscored opponents 12-1 through those four games. The amount of times... In 2019, it was, yeah, the winter of 2019 and then the fall of 2019, the amount of times that I had to make the trek from Brody Hall in the Brody neighborhood in Rayther Hall and Armstrong Hall, depending on where I was at any given point, over to Ralph Young Field, like, I loved covering field hockey. Like, it's one of those sports that you don't really gain an appreciation for until you watch it because it's so specialized and it's so local and there's just not a lot of media there. But they're actually decent. I know that they haven't played anybody in conference, and traditionally where they've struggled is in conference play. They've had one conference win, I think, off the top of my head in the regular season over the past two years. Wow. When I covered them, they were 7-11 and in, what was that, 19, but they were 0-8 in Big Ten play the season before. But, Zach, I know you've watched a little bit of that Michigan State field hockey team. Seems like they're getting a li- little bit of different play from Jade Arundel and goal and Nika Bloomstadt and Riley, and just a lot of these other guys that it seems like they're starting to gel quite well. Yeah, I was on the call for Big Ten Plus for one of their exhibition games before the season, so I did kind of watch them a little bit, and they do look like they've gotten a lot better. they got some transfers in, they've got some talent here on this squad, but I think it might be a little bit early so far because we are still in the non-conference play where they haven't gotten into Big Ten play, but I mean... They tied Michigan in that exhibition. Michigan was in the national championship game last year. So there's some talent there, but that was albeit an exhibition game. But, I mean, you mentioned 12-1, and one, or outscoring opponents 12-1 to one in those first four games. They're getting some goals scored. They did not score many goals last year in no. that 2-14 oh, and 14 God, no. season. And so being able to have some success and score some goals is encouraging, and I'm excited to see what they can do as conference play comes around. Did I ever tell you guys my little Helen Knoll story? It's the Nathan, it's going to be the Nathan Stern story hour. No, not really. <laughs> it should only take about five minutes. 
But I remember one time. Normally how it goes after a field hockey game is you're, you're a lot of times you're the only media member there. So you walk down from the press box, you're talking with the SID, and then like you go right up to the coach and just start peppering her with questions. Give credit to Helen Noll. There's some questions looking back now that I thought were really stupid. I'm like, why did I think that was a good idea to ask that question? But I remember reaching out like instinctively and just shaking her hand, and there's like an immediate wince of pain on her face. Like, like it looked like I had just like it looked like she had just died inside. Like she looked like she was in a tremendous amount of pain. And I'm like, I look down and I didn't even notice this, but I, it was her index finger, her right index finger that was completely saran wrapped. And she, and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. What happened? Oh yeah. I was, you know, playing with, I don't, I don't remember what she said. It was something like, Oh, I was playing with my kids yesterday and they dropped something on and I broke my finger. I haven't had the chance to go to the ER cause we had a game today. So yeah, my finger's in tremendous pain. I'm like, Oh, okay. Thanks for, uh, for letting me know. I didn't mean to cause you excruciating pain. Um, really bad. Sorry about that. You know? Can't really do anything now, but, uh, oh, man, I, that was one of the funniest. And those are the things that, again, you cherish just looking back, um, you know, at all the stuff that we've had the opportunity to do at this station. Michigan State Vol- Michigan State Volleyball has a weekend set against UNC and Duke canceled. It was health and protocol reasons. Obviously, don't know which side it was on, you know, who's in, who's out. But as of right now, they're still scheduled to play Oakland on September 17th. Michigan State also 4-2 and on the season with wins over Western Michigan, Canisius, Dixie State, and Weber State before getting boat raced by BYU. But BYU is also one of the best volleyball teams in the country. I don't know if either one of you has been able to cover any of those games, but they looked a little bit better, too. They're starting to look a little bit yeah. more impressive. It looks They're like Kathy, Kathy George has finally started to settle in on a little bit of a rotation with Nia Gross in the middle, Rebecca Poljan back, Lauren Gibbs on the back end, replacing Jamie Cox as the libero defensive specialist. I'm going to be excited to see what they can continue to do going forward, but the, the stopping and starting, I think, really hurt them last year. You, you had a stretch, was it like late February, early March, when you had six, seven games in a row canceled? Just yeah. because it was because of the because of the pandemic and there was, you know, different health issues on different sides. But if they can stay in one spot and like just play a normal season, they've shown the ability to play competent ball. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty surprised when it came out that this uh weekend set against North Carolina and Duke was canceled. Um, you know, it's just not something you expect. You expect the the players to uh be safe and be smart and, and, you know, not get get this virus. But, you know, you can't control that and whatever happens, happens. But it's it's a bummer because I was excited we were going to be covering the game for Big Ten Network Plus and uh, it should have been fun. But, you know, this this volleyball team, you know, last year was really uh, uh, kind of a – I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a letdown. I think that's a little bit harsh. But just, just a little underwhelming um, and, and didn't quite uh, live up to uh, – their potential, but but so far this year they've been fun to watch. They've been really exciting. Um, they've won the games that they're supposed to, and kind of lost the games that they're supposed to too. So you know, take with that what you must. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited going forward. Yeah, I mean, the team has looked really strong in those games, like you said. Like they've been dominant in the four games that they won. I don't think they've lost a single set in those four wins, if yeah. I remember correctly. And the losses. I mean, BYU is BYU, as Stearns mentioned. And then that Wright State loss in five sets, I was on the call for that game, and that was one of the most fun games that, that I've watched. Yeah. Wright State is a team that went 17-2 and last season and lost to Texas in the NCAA tournament, who went on to 
losing the championship game. So that Wright State team is good. Mm-hmm. And that was a game that Michigan State had a chance to win all the way down to the end. And so it should be very interesting to see how they do in a loaded Big Ten in volleyball. You know what's not going to be interesting? The Detroit Lions in approximately an hour and a half. This is great because I just get like a two-hour section to just slap Detroit fans. I I don't know. It's just something about Lions fans that just irks me. And I don't even know what what, it is. What about the most pitiful sports franchise in history irks you? Because it's just, this is the year. I mean, there are some fans that, you know, and I, I give Luke and Trent well, Luke more than Trent, because Trent's always hopefully optimistic. Luke's like, yeah, we're probably going to win three games this year. Like, I give him credit. He's actually semi-objective, but, like, I will get an argument. Like, well, your franchise hasn't won a Super Bowl. My franchise has been to soup two Super Bowls. And that's good for you. My <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a playoff win to celebrate in my <laughs> lifetime. So feel sorry for me. I just, it's like, is there a Division two in, like, in the NFL? Like, can we can we put Detroit oh, with one? Come on! My grandfather, love him dearly, is turning eighty on September twenty fifth. It's like, yeah, I can maybe remember two times Detroit going to the playoffs. Like when he was a kid, and they were beating up on the Browns, you know, and Otto Graham, and it's like, yeah, that was a really fun time. I didn't realize at the time that I'd be spending the next sixty years That'd having be the very very epitome yeah. of the Lions' success. But we. We got to move into a little bit of the 49ers talk. I can't just continue to slam the Lions, even though I really wish I could. <laughs> I'm going to let you two kind of take this one here. I'll just prompt the questions and kind of get out of the way, because as I said, I have to include this segment, but I really could give two you-know-whats about whether the <laughs> Lions win, lose, draw. Do well, you two guys- is more than one, so yes. I'll take it. <laughs> Do you guys believe that this is a winnable game for Detroit against a team that went 6-10 and 10 a year ago and had serious quarterback questions? And in parentheses, I put, Jimmy G ain't it, folks. I think by week five or six, he's going to be gone and Trey Lance is going to be in. But at least personally, I think Detroit could make this game interesting. Is this a winnable game? Hell yeah. I think I think every game this season is winnable. I think this this Lions team... With with Dan Campbell coming in and and the whole roster turnover that we've seen and the loss of production, whether it's you know their wide receiver core, Stafford leaving and stuff, and boy, am I excited for the national media to just love Stafford over in LA this year. That's very sarcastic if you can't tell it in my voice, but I think every game is winnable this season for Detroit. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what type of you know scheme Campbell's going to run and and what he's going to throw out there, but. I will I'll tell you what he's going to throw out Tyrell Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown. That's <laughs> but, really scary. I mean, oh boy, I mean, here comes Amon Ross. That, that's the thing, though, is, is you know, a, a player is as good as the coach, and a coach is as good as his staff. And I think Campbell's hired some good people, and I think he's got a chance to be. Wait, wait, wait. The, Did you say a player is just as good as a coach? Or as good as, 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 as the coach would make him? As, as uh, you know what I mean? To an extent, but. You could have put Christian McCaffrey with Adam Gase and he was still going to be a monster. There are some guys right. that it, it, does, but, it doesn't but, but matter. I, I, I'm referring more to the people like Amon Ross St. Brown who are on the lower tier but can be elevated with a good coach, you know? And, and, and I think there's a chance for this coaching staff to do that. And like I said, we have no idea what's going to happen this year. I don't know what to expect. I'm excited for the mystery of it because it ultimately will probably lead to one or two wins that they shouldn't get that they will, which will be pretty fun. I hope they beat the Packers. I hope they beat the Bears. I'll be happy. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting season for Detroit. Um, I don't think they're going to win that many games. They have a really hard schedule. But I also think that they might not be as bad as 
people think. Like the biggest spread of any game this entire weekend is San Francisco over Detroit, and I don't know that I see that yeah. because I don't think San Francisco is going to be that good unless they go to Trey Lance, which would be great because uh, I got auto drafted him in fantasy as my only quarterback. <laughs> so Shabazz going to destroy me this week in fantasy <laughs> because I'm got Trey Lance and Andy Dalton. Right. So, uh, but to the point. I don't think Jared Goff is as bad as people say he is. I mean, Jared Goff did take the Rams to the Super Bowl. Now, he wasn't the main reason they went to the Super Bowl, but I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the league. There are a lot of people saying he is quarterback 32 out of 32 in terms of starters, and I don't think he's that bad. No, he's not. No, man. He might might not be the worst quarterback in this game. Yeah? Yeah, He's got a good point. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think they're kind of in similar boats. Jimmy G also took a team to a Super Bowl that he wasn't the head of it. Right. He wasn't the main reason for it, but he was competent. And I think that Goff kind of fits into that, but I think Goff's a little better than that. Mm-hmm. Goff was very good. Yeah. Like there was talk about Goff as a top 10 quarterback in the league mm-hmm. when he was in LA for a little while, and people really quickly forgot that. So I think it's going to be a very interesting season for Detroit. Well, and yeah, I, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I know, you know, 28 touchdowns, 7 interceptions in 2017. That's the one thing that I will say. Jared Goff's not a bad quarterback. No. And, like, and objectively I, speaking, I think he's middle tier. I'd put him 15th or 16th, but... And I, I think he's one of those guys who maybe just needed a change of scenery. I don't think Goff and Sean McVay you know, before being together would really be a combination. Like if you were trying to line up the best head coach with the most suitable quarterback for them, I don't think Goff and McVay would be your first option. So I just don't think it really worked out in LA. It was just wrong personnel, wrong schemes. You know, Goff's play style didn't work with McVay's play calling. And and I think he might have just needed a change of scenery. Now is Detroit the spot for him? Also maybe not. But, you know, that's why we play the game. I just don't think they have enough weapons. Yeah, it's going to be really hard. But I, I think this team, the the benefit of this season for Detroit and kind of what I hope happens is they win three or four games. <laughs> they Their record is putrid. They're awful. They get a top five pick. But in reality, they lose 12, 13 games by, you know, a touchdown, 10 points, 14, you know, two scores. And, and they don't look that bad. And I think that is a chance to happen. Like I said, they've got a tough schedule. they got to play some of the best teams in the NFL. they got to go against the NFC North, which is always a, a tough division. This year, I don't know about that. But, you know, it, it's still it's still the Lions versus the Packers, which anything can happen and stuff like that. But I, I think there's a chance that this Detroit team can be objectively good this year and still on paper be garbage and get a good pick. And that can really benefit this program moving forward. I included this next anecdote is half joking, half serious. Now that I'm looking at it, it's a little bit more serious. At what inevitable at what inevitable point in the first quarter will you write off the Detroit season forever? Will it be after Jimmy G has an 85-yard touchdown pass on a seam route to George Kittle, or will it be something else? After Jared Goff's pick six. He's going to throw a pick six on the second drive of the game, and I'm going to be like, oh, there it is. I will say after... The 49ers return the opening kickoff for a touchdown? Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm kidding. Uh, honestly, I don't know that I will in this game um, because I I think Detroit can maybe win this game. Um, I think they can't. And I'm not really even, think they can. I'm not even a Lions fan. Do we still have the boo you stink drop from two years ago, Henry? 
with SpongeBob where it's like, "Boo, you stink." Because like that, that's literally what I want to say no, right now. No, it's it's we used to play it off YouTube actually, but it's "Oh brother, this guy stinks." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, brother. Brother. <laughs> I, have, I got the this other though. One? I I have uh, something else. I got this one right here actually. One second. I wasn't prepared for this, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's our that's our oh no. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, well, there there's that one, and then there's the one where it's like three cheers for the guy who took my job. Her Squidward, hip hip boo, hip hip boo, hip hip boo. You stink. Like I wish we could get a drop of that because it'd be so bloody funny. Well, that that was the oh no sound bit. We need the oh yeah whatever when when the lines the win this man? game. Yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. Yeah, I don't run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where do you see the biggest mismatch in this game? I know we're kind of transitioning on a dime here, but that's what happens when you're with someone like Nathan Stern. You, cannot, you, <laughs> you always have to be prepared. Always. You always have to be ready for everything. How does Detroit have any answer for George Kittle? And without Taylor Decker, I think Nick Bosa is going to have himself quite a nice game here. I and w- D. Ford and Eric Armstrong, I that front seven, that veteran laden front seven for the 49ers, I think, is going to make Goff's life not easy. Yeah, I wish this uh, radio show had cameras that we could we could put out on the website so you guys could see me and Zach's face right now in, in response to to Nathan's question. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Like we said, I don't know how the like like we keep saying it. I think the Lions can win this game. I think they can. Blah blah blah. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how they can win this game, and on paper they're not supposed to. And and and, and you bring up that question about stopping George Kittle. They can't. They just can't. They're not going to. He's going to have a big day. They're going to have to do something crazy and stupid and inexplicable to come away with a win. Um, but I think they can somehow. Yeah, they're going to nod his kneecaps, and then he won't be he won't be able to score. The biggest thing I think for me is that part of me wants to see the Lions do okay. Just like what was it like two years ago when they started off two and zero or three and zero or whatever, and then you get like completely exploded. And it's like okay, yeah. we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. Maddie Patty baby, Maddie Patty's bringing us from New England. Maddie Patty and Bob Quinn. Oh my goodness, Maddie Patty's the next version of Jimmy Johnson. And then three weeks later, oh brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> like. Oh man, it, that, this is, this that is the season se- was the zebra's fault, and that's all I'm gonna say. Because I think are you oh, talking about the season with? Oh when, my, when, don't go there. I thought it wasn't no. in 2015. I mean, it was, it was one of Maddie Patty's years. I can't remember which year it was. Was though. was was Patricia the coach when Tate scored on the last play? That, or no, that was Caldwell, wasn't it? I think so. When Tate yes. scored against the Falcons on the last play, and then he was short in 10 second runoff, and blah 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, I think that was lost. the Falcons. Yeah. I think that was Caldwell, now that I think about it. The one thing I will say is that the referees have an inexplicable penance for wanting to screw the Lions. And like, it's it hilarious is the most to me. unofficially, like, the amount of times they get screwed as an just, objective just observer. Just look it up on YouTube. Oh, my <laughs> it's God. So it's like 25 Calvin, minutes long. Yeah, Calvin Johnson. Oh, he didn't make the catch going to the ground. Well, he rolled through the back of the end zone three times and had it. And then he gets up, stands, picks up the ball, and then drops it. No, he didn't possess it going right. to the ground. Right. Lions, Bears, and bad calls. Oh my! That was the headline after that game, and I'll never forget that. That's such a great that? headline. Yeah. Who wrote that? I don't remember. I think it was the Free Press headline, say, but I don't remember who wrote it. Yeah, that was a good one, though. This is the tidbit that I was excited for. The Panthers' win total over under is set at seven and a half, and I'm going over just barely. I think on paper, Carolina is an eight-nine win team. I think you got better. Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns, those are going to be two of the best defensive rushers in football 
Reddick coming off a 12 and a half sack year. If Sam Darnold, and hear me out here, if Sam Darnold can stay off of his back, which is a very serious concern because Cameron Irving and Pat Fline are awful. I mean, Carolina's got the worst left side of the offensive line in football. But if you can give him time, your defense is going to be fine. You got enough guys. You brought in A.J. Boyage. You got J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson. Derek Brown's a monster. He's got some country boy strength. He just throws people. I mean, he's an absolute moose. He's a moose in the middle, as I like to say. Daquan Jones, a nice pickup. Morgan Fox. But I I worry about that offensive line. But if you can keep Darnold upright, I don't think there's any reason he can't, can't get 30 touchdowns. You have one of the best receiving cores in football with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. You have Christian McCaffrey. Two out of your first three games are against the Jets and the Texans, so for at least for three weeks, they'll have some semblance of a winning record. You play New Orleans week two, who still doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be. I know they say it's Jameis, but after he throws three interceptions in the first five minutes of the game, I think people are going to want to bench him for Taysom Hill. But, I don't know, Atlanta has serious question marks. They cross over with the NFC East. They, God, I'm trying to think. I think they cross over the AFC East, too. So that's New England, Buffalo, Miami, and, uh, oh, what's the, the other Jets. one? The Jets, yeah. Oh, boy. So, I mean, that that's not the hardest division in football. Mackford, Mackford Football Jones suiting up today for the Pats, for the patty cakes. Should but, be interesting. Should be fun. Yeah. I don't know. I cross and over and I then will, crossing over with the NFC. I'm excited. Fear the roar, baby. I will say. I will say the, the the doc here says humor me at this point, Shabath. And then you you ask about the win total. You want me to humor you if anything is right in this world. If anything is okay, the Carolina Panthers are going to win seven games this year. Everything because because they've that's just how they're they, they're they're similar to the Lions, just at like a higher tier. Where when Cam Newton was good, they were really good and they were great, and then they get to the Super Bowl, and my goodness, we all saw what happened there. And then it's just it's just like they're supposed to do this this season, and then they fall short. And you know how many they NFC get Christian McCaffrey, and then your he team gets hurt. Too? I'm not trying to talk. <laughs> how many, smack. How many Super Bowls has your team been to? If the universe continues on the path that it's on, they're gonna get like six wins because someone's gonna get hurt and their O line's gonna suck. And it's just it's just that, what's gonna happen. Unleash PJ Walker, baby. <laughs> right. that legend. Yeah, yeah. That's Walker's right. Gonna come back. That's right where I was going with uh this over under. I think that if the Panthers stay healthy, they will hit the over. But inevitably Probably. they will not stay healthy. It's the NFL. And they will not hit the over. They will win six or seven games because Someone will go down, and that'll just be how it always say, is. Six, if someone if, six games, I, I can say, I can give you seven games. If I think right now they're going to be favorites. well, you it, set the line at seven and a half, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that was the, that wasn't my line. That was the line by the odds makers. Oh, that, that, that's, that's, a bad, that's a bad line in my opinion. I was going to say. But, I was going to say. I think you beat. I think you beat New York. I think you beat Houston. I think you easily could beat Philadelphia at home. That Minnesota game at home's a toss up. I think the Vikings are going to be a little bit better especially with Alvin Cook and Kirk, even though, you know, Kirk's two steps away from being the bubble boy. You play New York, you play Atlanta, New England's got quite a few question marks. Ryan Fitzpatrick at Washington ain't the answer. He ain't it, boys. Obviously, you got to play Buffalo, you got to play Tampa, you got to play New Orleans again, but I don't know. We'll see. There, That's the one thing that drives me crazy. They're like the Pistons from, like, a 10-year span. You're just in football purgatory. We're not good enough to get the number one overall pick. 
we're not good enough or we're not bad enough to get the number one overall pick or, but we're not good enough to do anything in the playoffs. But when they're on, they're really on. And will, when they're I, off, they're really off. I will say, obviously we don't wish injuries on anybody. And I don't, you know, I, I think someone just the way that it goes with their luck, someone's probably going to get hurt. I just pray it isn't Christian McCaffrey. Cause I love watching that man play football. I was going to say any team that I ever end up liking kind of goes down the drain. I just think <laughs> I have that effect on people. It's, it's, I'm- it's so I don't, it, it's kind of like uh who's your tiger, you know, that, that, that like <laughs> campaign, the Detroit Tigers had. And it's so weird for years you know, growing up as a kid, it'd be, oh, who's your tiger? Oh, mine's Verlander. Mine's, you know, Michael Ordonio. Curtis Granderson. Ramon Gerald Santiago. All the, right? but, but for <laughs> some reason, I swear, I kid, I kid you not, my sister, whoever her, my sister is a, a sophomore here at Michigan State, um, whoever her tiger was for our entire life, they somehow would leave the team within the season. So we made it like, okay, your Tiger's this guy, Brandon Inge. He's on, you know, the end of his career. He needs to get the boot, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. So, so you got to you got to root for a different team so your Panthers can, can start coming up in the world. So she that so she has that effect on people. Not yeah. me. For those of you who don't know, there's a little bit that we have going on, like between Zach and I, or like. We were driving to Chicago, and I just started saying I have that effect on people, like, out of nowhere. Mm. Like, it was just something that emerged out of the abscesses of my mind. (laughs) And, like, ever since then, like, whenever we do a broadcast or anything, I try to find a way to incorporate it in. Just just for absolutely no reason at all. Yeah, so he said it a few times, and Champion, Aiden Champion, our other uh, football beat writer, put a counter on it in the car. <laughs> and so we were like, every time we would say it, we were like, five, six. And then uh, we were like, he was like, I'm going to work it into the broadcast. I was like, there's no way. And then at Northwestern, uh, I don't remember how he worked in Northwestern, but yesterday at Youngstown State, uh, he was saying, I hope they hand it off to Walker here for the score instead of trying to throw it in because you got 25 seconds left. They give it to Kenneth Walker. He scores or touchdown. I, I was, yeah, like, I, I think they're going to run it here. Yeah, he was like, I think they're going to run it. And he was like, I said, I think they're going to run it. Jay Johnson ran it. I guess I have that effect on people. <laughs> I was like, let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, never underestimate the power of a stern. But <laughs> I am underestimating the power of my own voice because my voice is getting a little bit sore. So I think we'll take a little bit of a break to rest and recuperate here as we get ready for the, actually, as we're a little bit over the 12 o'clock mark, as we get ready for the second half of Green and White, we're going to go into a quick buyer sell edition and then have the Sparty Awards. God, that's my favorite segment. We used to have like a beautiful little thing, like like with the elegant regal Hollywood music. It was like an Academy Award sort of things. And then my beautiful voice in the background that's like, now presenting the Sparty Awards presented <laughs> by Impact 89 FM WDBM East Lansing. <laughs> and with that being said, you are listening to the Green and White Report. I got it right this time. There we go. I got it right this time go. on WDBM East Lansing. Welcome back to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. I'm your man, Nathan Stearns, alongside co-host Brendan Shabath and contributor Zach Sternick. Guys, we got a little addition to buy or sell for the NFL season. You ready to rock and roll? Let's get it. Let's do it. All right, buddy, buy or sell. After going 5-11 and 11 in 2020, the Carolina Panthers will earn the number 7 NFL seed. Sell, 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 sell. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm selling that faster than anything I've ever sold in my life. Well, don't worry because I have enough youthful optimism for both of you. Bye, 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 bye. I think there's little, there's little left. Uh, you know, there's little doubt about who 
prompted this question, I yeah. think. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm not sure where know, that one came yeah, from. No, yeah, no, I, I, I've had quite an influence on Zach. He's slowly tra- trading <laughs> in his Detroit fan base. Yes. yes. <laughs> Mid Street gained another one, baby. Mid Street gained another one. Yeah, it's no. the Stearns effect. <laughs> the Stearns effect. All right. Yeah. Stearns, you wanted to defend your opinion or are we moving on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Buy or sell? Devonta Adams will lead the NFL in receptions at plus 600. Uh, I'm going to buy that. I think, I think, uh, Devonte Adams definitely can do that this year. I'm going to sell. He just can't stay healthy. That's yeah. my biggest problem is, is like the guy's good, but he's only good for 11 games every year. I mean, you always have DeAndre Hopkins up there. I think Justin Jefferson is probably the, one of the two or three best receivers in all of football by the time he's all said and done. DK's there. Tyreek's there. Kelsey's up there. It always seems like whenever you have like these individual like prop bets, they never work out. Like It's always going to be someone else. If it's not Derrick Henry who runs the ball 85 times a game as a human bulldozer, I just between the injuries and between you know all the other things, I just think there's too many unknowns, so I'm going to sell. Yeah, I'll sell. And I'll throw out a name that I think could be, you kind of mentioned it, I think Justin Jefferson's a sleeper pick for it because I don't think the Vikings' defense is going to be very good, which means I think that Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball a lot more this year because I'm not high on that Minnesota defense. Right. And... (laughs) Resident Viking fan back here. I I like the Vikings. I watch a lot of Vikings football. I like Kirk Cousins. But I don't think the defense is going to be that great, so I think they're going to have to throw the ball a little more, and I think Jefferson's got a spot. Also, I need him to carry me in my PPR Uh-oh. league. Don't so. show your bias. Don't show your bias <laughs> now. Come on. There it is. <laughs> buy or sell. We did this one last week. But buy or sell. Derek Henry will lead the NFL in rushing at plus 400. Um, I am going to sell that with the little tidbit that I think Henry's obviously going to have a great season, and I think the Titans are going to be pretty good this year. It just doesn't feel like, uh, you know, there, there, there's a, a little asterisk here. Henry has already led the NFL in rushing uh, for each of the past two seasons. I just don't, it doesn't feel like in the NFL that is maintained for the rushing leader to do that three years in a row. I think he's going to be a great running back. I think he's going to continue what he was doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone else comes up and kind of dethrones him for that spot. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to buy. I still think that Tennessee and Mike Vrabel are going to run the ball a lot more than they pass it. I know you got Julio Jones. I know you got A.J. Brown, but Julio can't stay healthy, and there's question marks around A.J. Brown like there has been. So he's a monster. And he's showing no signs of wearing down. Like, you're not seeing cracks in the armor. Normally before a running back kind of crashes and burns, it starts, oh, they're missing two games because of a high ankle sprain, or oh, there's some sort of lower leg issue, or oh, there's some sort of turf toe issue. He's consistently healthy, and he keeps his body in better shape than just about any running back in football. I'm going to buy this. Yeah, I'll buy. Um, I think that pretty much what you said, I think that Tennessee runs the ball a lot, and their offense is built on that, and they don't have a strong division. I mean, they're playing in the AFC South, and, I mean, you've got Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis. Trevor Lawrence, baby. Fantasy football. <laughs> That's my guy. Yeah, I, I'm high on Lawrence, but I don't think that uh, Jacksonville's going to be that great this year either, so I'll buy Derrick Henry. Buy or sell, Jared Goff will be traded before the end of the 2021 NFL season. The Stearns effect is just bleeding through this document right (laughs) now. I don't think that's going to happen unless the Lions are tanking and they're going back to uh, David Blau from Purdue and and trying to get the number one pick. I think Goff is here to stay, so I'm going to sell that. Yeah, even if they're tanking, I don't know that they trade him because if they're that bad, I don't know that they're going to find anybody that will take him for something good. I mean... You sent cash considerations. You sent maybe. Stafford away for Jared Goff. 
I think he'll be here at least through the end of this season. Yeah, I think so too. Can I place a prop bet at John Kitna getting meaningful snaps in week 11? <laughs> I only put this because I think there's – see, I don't know. Detroit's a weird franchise and a weird team, if you can't tell. I'm going to sell this one as well. I just put this because I knew I had to find a way to incorporate the Lions into this somehow because, again, it's a Lions-based sort of broadcast. Right. But I I just – I don't know who's going to want golf. There the question marks around the contract. He gets probably paid a little bit more than he should. I don't know who else you get, though. I don't know who else is going to want him, and I don't know who you replace him with. That's either going to be make much of a difference, whether they're that much better or that much worse. So Cam I'm going to sell this. You <laughs> replace mean, him with Cam Newton. You mean Ka- Fig Newton. Cam Newton's looking for a job. <laughs> you mean Fig Newton. <laughs> All right, buy or sell. Tom Brady will throw for over 4,650 yards this season. Odds are at plus 100. Um, I'm going to buy that. I, I still think Brady and the Bucks are here to stay. I still think that passing attack is just un godly and, and and tremendous and yeah I, it, brady's brady and you know if it ain't broke don't fix it until he tells me otherwise that he's no longer the same brady that he is i'm gonna keep buying it yeah i'll buy um uh pretty much what you said they've got so many weapons on that squad yeah um and that number is high but it's not ridiculously high it's not out of reach yeah, yeah. so i'll take i'll take brady to get there I'm going to buy, buy, buy this one. I would lock this one down. It's probably the biggest one if I had any choice. How can you not throw for that many yards when you have Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown? Well, when you're 43, there is a little bit of a challenge, I suppose. But, I mean, all you have to do is (laughs) check it down to flipping Antonio Brown over the middle. He's going to go 80 yards or do the same thing with, with Chris Godwin. It's not like Tampa Bay has a good stable of running backs. Leonard Fournette's not the same running back he was with Jacksonville. Ronald Jones... Looks like on a good on a good team, he's an RB number two. So that's that's where New England or yeah, I'm still thinking he's with the Pats. <laughs> that's where Tampa Bay's offense is still sort of concentrated, and that's how Bruce Arians was even when he was with Arizona. So I'm gonna buy this as well. Buy or sell Sam Darnold will live up to his title as the number three draft pick. Stern's effect. Um, I'm going to sell. I we've already talked about it. I I think we're somehow located in Carolina right now, but uh, I, th- I think East Lansing got moved. We've talked about the Panthers so much today, but um, no, I uh, I, I like I like we said, I don't think the Panthers are going to quite live up to their expectations, and I think that also uh, comes through Darnold as well. So yeah, I'll sell. Um, to an extent. I think Darnold will be better. He's not going to be bad. He's not going to be terrible. But when you're drafted number three overall in a spot like that, that's like franchise quarterback, right? Pro Bowl type pick. And I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback in Carolina. But with Joe Brady out there, maybe. Yeah. He did some special things with Burrow at LSU. And I'm going to sell this as well. Really? I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I, was gonna, I had to put the oh, caveat in. Point. I wasn't just going to buy, buy, buy. <laughs> Because I, I got to prove to the people that I can be objective, that I'm right. capable a little right. bit of critically analyzing the football team. I'm on the exact same wavelength as Zach. He will be better. I think he almost reminds me a little bit of Jake DeLome. He's going to have a better arm. He's got weapons. But I there's too many questions right now surrounding his accuracy, surrounding his game management skills, surrounding his pocket presence, and what does he do when the when the pocket breaks down. And he throw he has thrown a lot of interceptions. He threw a lot of interceptions at USC. So I think he will be better. I think maybe in three or four years you could be talking about this, but he's got a long way to go before he's kind of living up to that top three billing. Yeah. 
Buy or sell. Trey Lance will be starting for San Francisco by week 10. I'm going to buy, and I think it's going to be before week 10. I, uh, I I could very easily – no, I don't think Trey Lance is going to have a great rookie season and stuff like that. I don't think he's going to be a huge standout. But I, I'm not going to be surprised if Jimmy G kind of kind of gets the boot by, by week six, seven, and uh, uh, Trey Lance is out there. Yeah, I'll buy. Um, I haven't looked too much at San Francisco's schedule, but I think that they're going to lose a game that they feel like they shouldn't, and the offense is going to be stagnant. Yeah, it's not going to be week one. <laughs> like week five, six, seven, yeah. eight range, right. somewhere in there. And I think that then they're going to go. I mean, they benched Jimmy G last year, didn't they? I think so. They went so. to Bethard yeah, for, for a Nick, little bit. And then Nick Mullins. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I don't think it'll take too long. If there's any sort of struggle, I think Jimmy G is going to be gone. They're going to get Lance in. Yeah. Can I bet week five? Like, <laughs> I, I put this in. This is the other easy prop bet, I think, for me at least. <sighs> Jimmy G, as I've already said, he ain't it, folks. He just ain't it. I mean, seven touchdowns, five interceptions last year on a good day. When he is on fire, he's a good game manager. He's the reason you're not losing games. But that San Francisco offense last year under Shanahan was anemic. I mean, anemic. So they tried to get rid of him in the offseason. There was a lot of trade rumors. Obviously, I don't know if there's more smoke than mirrors, but I don't think he's really happy to be there. I'm not sure if they're really happy that he's there. Um, I think he's going to be gone well before Week 10. By our sell, Jared Goff will throw for over 25 touchdowns this year. I'm going to sell. I think that number is a little bit too high. Goff has thrown for over for 20 or more touchdowns in uh five out of the six seasons that he's been in the NFL, but I think 25 is a little bit too high. I don't think he has enough weapons uh, here in Detroit to do something like that. I think he's capable of throwing 25 touchdowns. I just don't think he has the pieces necessary. Yeah, I'll go 22 touchdowns, I think, right around in that range. Um, I I That's what he had last year, right? 20, 22 the year before. I was kind of on the same wavelength with that. I think that they're going to be solid. He's going to be solid, but I don't know that he gets to 25. Yeah. I'm going to buy. And I'm going to buy for the sole reason that I'm not really high on Jamal Williams. Is what is he? He's RB number one now, isn't he? Uh, I don't remember honestly. I know they brought in well, Jamal Swift, Williams. right? Well, well, yeah, but he can't stay healthy half the time. Yeah, that's but true. so I got question marks around that Detroit running game. It seems like they always try to establish the running game early in the season, and then when it inevitably fails, like everything else, it just kind of you know goes up in flames, and then they got to start throwing the ball. I like Goff as a quarterback. I actually would have been quite happy if he had been to Carolina. Um, I like I like his makeup. I like what he did with the Rams. He's got a good arm. You know, him and Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett did some really, really nice things. So I'm going to buy this. Okay. All right, last one. Buy or sell. Kyler Murray will win the NFL MVP award at plus 1,600. This is a big one, and I am a huge Kyler Murray fan, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... I'm going to go out on a limb. I've said some crazy stuff today. I'm going to keep it up. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I think Kyler Murray's really cool. Uh, I, I love his play style. He's, he's just very exciting. You know, I don't know that uh, Arizona's going to be a great team this year. I think they have to be good for him to uh, win the NFL MVP award, but I think he can make them good. And, uh, yeah, I, I can see that happening for sure. I'm not saying he's the favorite, and he's not, but I it's not out of the realm of possibility. I agree. I would say that... If this was a bet on whether he will win an MVP in his career, I would buy. 100%. But I'm going to sell for this year. 
Um, because I think that it's going to be one of the normal stable of guys. I think it's going to be one of those favorites just based on how I feel like this season's probably going to play out. I think that Murray still needs a couple more years of development to get there. I think it's going to be Rogers, Mahomes, Brady, Josh Allen, one of Russell Wilson, one of those five guys. Yeah. I'm also going to sell this just because they don't defend and you're probably wondering, wait, well, what's the connection between that? MVP quarterback's got to win. Well, right. That, that's yeah. a huge, huge metric. And Arizona hasn't proven that they can go to the playoffs, let alone win anything meaningful. Despite the fact that you have DeAndre Hopkins, despite the fact that you have A.J. Green, despite the fact that I think Christian Kirk's going to be a good player, despite the fact that you brought in Rondell Moore from Purdue, they've got to win. And I'm not sure they can do that with Kingsbury because it always seems like they score 40 and the defense gives up 41. And until they win, that's not fair. It's not necessarily right. But wins and losses are the thing that defines a quarterback more than anything else. And if he's not going to the playoffs, he can't win the MVP. Well, and that's how Kingsbury's teams at Texas Tech were, too. You score 40, you give up 45. Right. I mean, it's just, it's offense, offense, offense. and It's like the NBA. We'll figure yeah. everything else out later, yeah. With that being said, we will transition to another break. And then head, and then as we come back, we will have the Sparty Awards, our top four MSU football memories. I got a couple of really, really good ones for you. And then we will transition to the pick-em and a couple other segments before signing off here on this beautiful Sunday now afternoon in East Lansing, Michigan. You are listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Welcome back to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. If you're Wondering where Luke Sloan and Trent Bailey are? Good question. We are, too. Having more fun than we are is where they are. Are You you get to be in an air-conditioned studio with yours truly on a Sunday, and you're not having fun. Trent is less than sober in downtown Detroit right now, <laughs> tailgating for the first Lions game of the season, and Luke is broadcast entering for the best broadcaster in the Midwest. So, yeah, but I think you know they're what? having more fun. You know what? They're not in the room with me right now. <laughs> They're not in a room with me right now. I'm sure Brendan. they wish they were. <laughs> I know. Well, Luke doesn't because I'm his roommate. Trent, not sure about Trent, but we will move on to the Sparty Awards. And this is one that, I, as I said going into the break, I don't know if we still have that thing where it's like, this is the Sparty Awards on WDBM East Lansing. Oh, yes. Oh, that is amazing. Oh, my God. That is music to my ears. Like, that is absolutely beautiful. In the spirit of football season, we are going to share our top four MSU football memories, and I'll go first. I think the biggest one for me was being converted from a Michigan to an MSU fan. Not even an MSU fan, I shouldn't say that as a journalist. There's someone who paid more attention to the Michigan State football program, who gained more appreciation for Michigan State. I was the biggest Michigan fan for a long time. I was a Michigan slappy. My mom worked at Michigan. I live 10 minutes away from the University of Michigan. I grew up in a small town called Salinas. I mean, it's not small. It's got about 15,000 people. But, you know, we were like the satellite campus of Ann Arbor. Right. So you kind of just had to be. We had moved. Everybody there is pretty much a Michigan fan. You got, you know, the occasional Michigan State populace. But everybody I graduated with, probably 150 or 200 of them, ended up going to Michigan. So the moment I can really trace it is when I got in to Michigan State, which was January of 2019. I was a spring admittee, and I remember telling my aunt, because I had my three older cousins, or my two older cousins, that went here, one of which is uh, majoring in 
what is Andrew trying to do? He's trying to become a CPA. I should really know this because he's my first cousin. <laughs> but um, my other cousin, Patrick, was actually in the MSU marching band. And that was when it was fun to be in the MSU marching band because MSU was winning 11 games out of year and going to the Cotton Bowl and going to the Rose Bowl and this, that, and the other. And he majored in computer engineering. But they were Michigan fans, too. We were all Michigan fans. And they're like, as soon as you get on campus, it will take you 15 minutes and you will be converted to a Michigan State yep. fan. Nope. Not gonna happen. Go blue. I was gonna be. I was gonna be an Ian Gilmore. Don't care where I am. <laughs> Want Michigan? Go blue. Jim Harbaugh is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Rock and roll, maize and blue. Play hail to the victors on a loop in my head. She was right. It took me about fifteen minutes. I'm like, this is pretty cool. And then you slowly begin to realize how in God's name can I go to a school, get my major from one school, work for the school. But cheer for the rival school. And, and it's, it, it's psychotic. It's just more it's a fun. mental disorder. Yeah. It's psychotic. Yeah. That was probably my favorite one. I remember the first time I ever board opt the football game. That might be the only time because I board opt a bunch of other stuff. But that was the first time I ever board opt the football game was for, was that forty to thirty one over Indiana in twenty nineteen. Man, was that an experience. Because that was back in the old days when you still had the Zephyr and you had to connect to the server room. The Zephyr. And the Comrex didn't have and the Comrex didn't have the bloody um you know, the, the internal Wi-Fi connection that it does right. now. So, oh my God, like it I I'm busy what was it? I think it was Joe and McCray on the call, and it's like, I can't hear you guys, I can't hear you guys, and I can hear Eric like in the DJ make, why won't this stupid thing go in? Because he's trying to jam the Ethernet port, you know, according to the port, and that's why that thing broke, because we can never get it fixed. Yeah. We sent it back to New York for several thousand dollars, get it back within five minutes. Ah, it's broken again. <laughs> it's a piece of junk. But that was it's so it was such a fun time, but it was also so stressful, and it's like, okay, you know. No offense, but if this is a hockey game and we don't get it in, eh, it's hockey. This is a football game. Yeah. Uh, we kind of need to get this in, and I'm busy like, oh, okay, well, I can't hear them. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. This is absolutely terrifying. That was my first time because I'm like, oh, God, I'm probably screwing something up. <laughs> Third favorite memory was the first football game I ever did, which was when Michigan State obviously took on number six Penn State on October 26th of 2019, lost 28-7. It was an ugly game. It was a rainy game. Like, I went in there, I was happy, but, you know, it, it's like everything you touch kind of turns to ash, you know? I just got that effect on people. Like, I, I can't I can't really turn it off. I don't know what it is, but it, it's just something that I do. Oh, it was cold and it's rainy, but I'm like, I'm so happy. And that's back in the days when the, when the drinking fountain was on and you could get your free food. <laughs> free fountain drinks. Oh, my. Well, they, they turned on the thing yesterday, which was nice, you know, yeah. sooner rather than later. But I want my free hot dog back. Like, I don't know what they use those hot dogs in because they're tiny and they taste like rubber, but I still miss them. <laughs> and my final one, and this is going to be really sappy, is yesterday because it was normal. That is the first football game I've ever done for the radio station with a full packed house. Yeah. When you're a Michigan State fan, when you're a Michigan State broadcaster, you kind of resign yourself to the fact that the first three or four weeks when there's some sort of hope, stadium will be 85% full. Get to mid-November, nobody cares anymore. Everybody's right. already for basketball season. So just to see the 70,000 fans, see green and white, have people... Oh, you guys are dressed too nice for radio. Remember that lady in the elevator at Northwestern? Oh, wait, no, you weren't there. That was when I was trying to go hunt down the SID because I wasn't sure about the ether. Oh, you when we were trying to connect everything. You look really, really nice. Are you at radio? I'm like, yeah, I got a face for radio, so I tried to cover oh, it up. Oh, I was there for that. Yeah, I was there for that. Because I tried by wearing the suit. Um, right. 
Those are my four favorite memories. Brendan, before I lose my voice once and for all, why don't you hop on and have some fun? All right. So uh, mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Not sorry about it. Uh, big U of D guy. Uh, Elijah Collins' first touchdown um, two years ago, my freshman year here, uh, was also his first year really seeing the field here for Michigan State. Um, and he had a big game against. So so the first game of the season, which is actually also, I'll skip to this one, what, my third uh, favorite memory was my first ever MSU football game uh, two years ago against Tulsa, 7 p.m. kicks, sun setting behind Spartan Stadium. I'm sitting there mumbling along to the chants and the fight song because I don't know it yet. I've been <laughs> here for like two weeks and stuff. But uh, it was a great time. It, it, it was a lot of fun to, to be in the building for that, and that was pretty cool. But at that game, uh, Connor Hayward's the starting running back. Eli is not really known yet. Nobody, you know, nobody knows who he is. He doesn't really see the field. MSU gets up big. It's like 24 to 7 in the fourth quarter. Eli gets in at like the 24 yard line uh, of Tulsa and, and first handoff gets the ball, runs up the middle, makes a couple guys miss, scores a touchdown. And I go nuts. And there's a flag and it's holding and it gets called back. And I was like, damn it. So then the second game, Hayward gets benched. It's, it's MSU versus Western Michigan. Eli runs for 194 yards. But D'Antonio, being lovely D'Antonio that he is, every time Michigan State got within 10 yards of the goal line, came in the power back, whoever it was. It might have been Hayward, too. It was Ladarius Jefferson. Yeah, it was. It was Yeah, it was It was LJ. But, um, it was Matt Carrick. <laughs> Ladarius Jefferson's now at Western Michigan, too. Yeah, but, um, but he would get in and get the touchdown. So Eli ran for 200 yards but didn't get a touchdown. And then finally, in that what ended up being an awful game, Arizona State comes all the way across the country, travels to East Lansing, it was a really bad loss for Michigan State. Matt Coughlin was less than superb that game. That was one of the worst officiated games I've that ever was, seen. Yeah, though. they but were also all Michigan State played horrible in the yeah. fourth but, quarter. Oh my god! I'm but like, these right? Oh, I have never screamed so many profanities at officials in my life. But but I'm I'm sitting there and and I'm I'm feeling like this is this is the game. This has got to be it. He's the starting running back. You know he, he he's gonna have a good game. Blah, 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 blah. I think it was in the second quarter, something like that. First half, for sure. Uh, we get out there, um, and, and Eli scores his first touchdown. And I I go bonkers. I mean, this is like, Eli is a friend of mine. I play basketball with him at U of D. I, I, I see him around school all the time. I hang out with him. So it was really cool to see that happen, to see watching him as a freshman in high school score six touchdowns for U of D against some nobody. Subtle tech. Right. Su- subtle flex. Right. Something <laughs> like that. And and um, seeing him score his first college touchdown was really cool, and that, that was really fun. Um, my second memory, um, because we're going to skip the third one when we get there, um, Stearns, like you, I grew up a diehard Michigan fan. I legitimately, actual salty, wet, cried tears when the Wolverines lost to Louisville in uh, the national championship back in 2013 with uh, Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway and all those guys, Mitch McGarry. So I was a huge Michigan fan my whole life. And and for no reason, I was what they called a Walmart fan, where you just rooted for them because and because they were good and blah, blah, blah. But that's more of my dad. My dad has no affiliation with either school. I mean, he roots for Michigan State when they don't play Michigan. But um, he, he just grew up a Michigan fan. And then in order for there to be happiness in the household, my mom became a Michigan fan. And then that's just the way I was raised, rooting for the Wolverines. So I knew, too, uh, especially with the U of D people that came here um, and me coming here, that I would be converted pretty quickly. Uh, it was no surprise to me. But so last year, the Halloween game, my dad's birthday is on Halloween. 
I go home, and my mom's birthday is four days before that. It's the 27th. So I surprise them. I go home on the 27th for my mom's birthday. I stay four days to Halloween for my dad's birthday. But we were planning this big Halloween party at my apartment up here. So I was staying till Halloween, staying for the Michigan-Michigan State game, which kicked off at noon, and then coming back up here for the party. And my goodness, it was so weird being in that living room at for the first time. My dad, a Michigan fan, me, a Michigan State fan, us both yelling profanities at the TV, but for opposite sides. And I feel so bad that Michigan State, being huge underdogs, had to beat Michigan on his birthday. But it feels so good, too. It was so cool. And my, my roommate at the time, he called me as soon as it was over. And I see my phone buzzing, and my dad's just sitting there pouting and stuff. And I'm over here, like, texting people. Yeah, let's go. We're trying to be quiet. And and he, and and, the, and my phone starts buzzing, and I sprint out the door so I can like actually celebrate. And I'm like, Let's go! We did it! Throw out the record books, all that stuff. But yeah, that was that was a pretty cool memory. That was that was a lot of fun. It was, it was super awkward because my dad had to drive me back up here and like help me move some stuff up or whatever because I, I think I didn't have my car or whatever it was at the time. But uh, yeah, so so his team lost on his birthday, and they needed to drive an hour and a half here and an hour and a half back, but. That's why he's my dad, great dad, and I love him. But um, my fourth memory, which is a little bit of a weird one, I was working as a student assistant for Big Ten Network for the Michigan State-Illinois game two years ago. Illinois comes to town. Michigan State's the favorite. Illinois is still not really a football program yet, but they've got three wins. They're on the border of a bowl game. They need four. And... um. I think Michigan State's up like 35 to 13 in the second half or something. It was big. It was bad. This is Brian Lewerke era bad. And I'm on the sideline holding the big uh, clear dish, if you ever see those guys on TV, with the yellow vests or whatever. They call them a, a parabolic mic, and that's for people who, who need to be able to lift a finger and you can work for BTN, and that's all it was. You sit there and you point it at the field the whole day, and that's it, and you get paid 160 bucks, and it's pretty cool. Um and so I'm sitting there in the freezing cold. I have 10 layers on. I've got hats and gloves and sweatshirts and under undershirts and stuff like that. And it's so cold. And I'm just sitting there waiting for this game to get over. Michigan State's going to win. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go to bed. And, and it, it's going to be fine. I just got paid a bunch of money for this. And Lewerke throws a pick right in front of me. And then he throws another pick. And then Illinois scores a touchdown. And then Lewerke throws another pick. And all of a sudden... Illinois somehow, and, and, and mind you, I'm on, the, the side of the field that I'm on is Illinois sideline, so I'm right next to their bench this whole time when they're mounting this comeback, and they just keep pushing and pushing, and they come back, and they win, and they're going crazy, and I have to point the mic at them so we can hear their celebration, and I'm just, oh my God, I stood out here in four hours in this cold for them to lose. I got up at 7 a.m. this morning to be here, blah, 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 and so I have this really funny video where I was... I wasn't like so upset, you know, I wasn't shocked that Michigan State lost. It was a Michigan State thing to do, a D'Antonio thing to do to lose that game. But I have this really funny video. I'm still there with my headset on, with my parabolic mic cuz it like slings over your neck and then it just kind of rests on like your stomach there. And uh I'm sitting there with it. I still got all my gloves and my jacket on and I I like walk closer to the field cuz that's the guy my boss for the day was telling me get closer so we can hear him better cuz they ran onto the field to celebrate. And so I'm on field. I'm at, I'm at like midfield pretty much. And I just pull my phone out and, and, and I take a video and I turn around and you can see Illinois celebrating behind me. And in the video, I just, just give them the bird, you know, <laughs> just flip them the bird. 
turn off the video and walk away. It's it, it's stupid, but but it was fun. I love that video. I love showing that to people. So that's those are my four uh, MSU football memories. We will take a quick break here before transitioning to the pick'em for our final segment of today's show. It's been a nice run, guys. I know we got another fifteen minutes, but I want to do this every week. Yeah, I do this. Can, I, can we? Can, I, can we? Kick can we just Trent have four? I mean, Trent's got season tickets, so he's, yeah. he's supposed to be we'll, gone every we'll, Sunday. We'll have, some, we'll have some chances, but yeah. you're listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Got to give credit to Henry Menegos, our audio production guy behind the glass man these are some jams He's you're playing man killing it I'll on say, the dj you, track today this man is having himself a game oh no this is his girlfriend's like no no it's me the end result's yeah. the same i don't care about the process the end result's been good <laughs> whoever's there's the more than one way to get to Rome. executive de- decision maker back there good choice on the music today for our final segment <laughs> we have a rapid fire nfl pick for the First week of the 2021 NFL season. Eagles, three and a half point underdogs going to Atlanta. Boy, this is like the PU bowl. Like, I, oh, yeah. Like, do I, do I have to pick one? I'll guess I'll go Atlanta just because they're at home. Not a big Jalen Hurts guy. I'm, I think Philly's one of the wor- five, six worst teams in football. So give me Atlanta. I'm going to take Philly. I'm going to take Philly to win this game just because. I think I actually like Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I like his story. Uh, I like what he's done so far um, uh, in the NFL, and I, I think Eagles, uh, Eagles are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Eagles. Uh, should be a close one. Um, I still don't trust Atlanta's defense. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts might have himself a pretty good day. Give some Eagles fans some hope. How long that lasts, I don't know yet, but right. I think Hurts might have a good day today. Steelers, six-and-a-half-point underdogs traveling to Buffalo. This, I think, has the potential to be a very good game. These are two of the better teams in the AFC, but I think Buffalo right now is the second-best team in the AFC. I know if Michael Markach, one of our volunteers, is listening um, – you know he he's probably not too happy that I picked the Brown that I'm not picking the Browns the second best team, but I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with Buffalo here, man. I I think they're too good, too talented. I think Ben Roethlisberger is on his last leg, and I think the Mike Tomlin era is slowly but surely starting to go up in flames in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Pittsburgh's uh, era of being upper middle class of the NFL is over, and they're on the downward trend. I think Buffalo is going to win this one. Next game that we have on the slate, 49ers, nine-and-a-half-point favorites going to Detroit. Man, I – oh, boy. I think I, – I'm not going to pick against Detroit. I think San Fran wins this game, but that's a big spread. Well, That's a big spread. I will say, though, nine-and-a-half being the biggest spread of any game this week is kind of surprising, which I'm excited for. We'll get some good NFL games today, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I do think that's kind of big for both of these teams being pretty unknown and not having, like, real solid expectations of what they're going to do or what they're supposed to do. Um, and we already talked about it. I'm going to take Detroit. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know where. Well, in Detroit. But uh, I'm taking the Lions. Bengals going to Minnesota as three-point underdogs. Give me the Vikings. Give me the Vikings. I think this is an easy game for Minnesota to win. They got to get something going here sooner rather than later. I think Mike Zimmer's he's floating on eggshells right now. 
But I think Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins are going to be too much for that young, young and experienced back four for the Bengals. So I got Minnesota. Joe Burrow is a born winner. And all he knows how to do is win. (laughs) So I'm going out on a limb. Hank doesn't like it back there behind the glass, but I'm taking the Bengals. The Lions are going to win. The Vikings are going to lose. So are the Packers and Bears. And the Lions are going to be first place in the NFC North after week one. I know we've been talking about the Panthers, but I don't know what you've been. You need some new allergy medication or something, man. You got to lay off the Zyrtec. Because I don't know what. You got to get some new Benadryl or something, man, because it ain't working. Yeah. um, Minnesota's going to win this game, I think. in this room. Is now dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota in this game. There we go, Zach. There we go. Come yeah. on. Uh, Some straight. I don't think that the I don't like the Bengals' offensive line situation. I like the fact that they took Jamar Chase in terms of the fact that that's going to be a good connection between Burrow and Chase. But they really desperately need an offensive line. Joe Burrow got destroyed last year in terms of sacks. He was running for his life. I think he's going to be in a similar situation again today against Minnesota. Next game, Cardinals three-point underdogs as they go to Nashville to take on Tennessee. Give me the Titans. They are so good at home at Nissan. I love the pickup that they got with Julio Jones. Between him, between Tannehill, you finally got a legitimate receiver. A.J. Brown's another nice option out on the edge. I like Arizona, but these kind of slugfest-esque games, they never seem to come out on top. In the buy or sell, I sold Derrick Henry beating the NFL leading rusher. I bought Kyler Murray beating the NFL MVP. I'm going to stick with it. He's got to win to be the MVP, so he's going to win the first game. They're going to beat the Titans. You're having a day. I'm having a fantastic time over here. I'm going to I'm gonna agree with Shabath on this one. I think the Cardinals win this game. Um, I think it's going to be a good start. The Cardinals always start hot. They usually falter towards the end of the season, yeah. but they do always start hot, and Tennessee is a team that, has had some years where they've had some success early. They've had some years where they started slow. Tennessee will probably be the better team of the two at, when it's all said and done, but the Cardinals win this game. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill's the only ten I see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to work. I had to find a way to work that in. You had to go Tannehill uh, though. Yep. You couldn't go Henry or Julio Jones or any of those guys. It was the first guy that popped into my head. <laughs> Leave me alone. Colts facing off. Against the Seahawks, Indianapolis currently two-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm going with Seattle here. I, I actually like them by a little bit more than just two-and-a-half. i not hugely convinced on Carson Wentz. Missed a lot of training camp because of injuries. I just don't know if he can stay healthy. And Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf are going to go nuts, albeit against a half-decent Indianapolis Colts defense. But I got the Seahawks winning here and covering. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm pretty much out on the Wentz train. I really bought into it uh, during his prime, if you want to call it that. It was like two seasons of it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I don't really believe in Wentz anymore. Like you said, Stearns, I don't think he can stay healthy. Yeah, give me, uh, give me Seattle. Yeah, Seattle by a ton. And any more reason than that, or just? I mean, just no. Nah. Russell Wilson, Seattle by a ton. No, nothing we haven't said. All right, Washington. A point and a half favorites as they head out west. Actually, no, I apologize. As they're at home to take on the Chargers. Oh, man. I I love Justin Herbert, but 
that defense is so good for the no, no, I guess not for the skins anymore. I guess I right. can't call them the, the football skins. team, the football team, or the Red Tails, or whatever they're trying to become. Red Tails should be it. That'd give be me, so cool. Give me the like. I love Ron Rivera, one of the three or four best coaches in the NFL. If you ask me, give me the Washington unnamed football team. I'm a big Herbert guy. I'm buying into the Herbert hype. I think he's really going to be uh, one of the one of the the guys of the new regime in the NFL. You know. The NBA is on a, on a transition of the old guys to the new guys, and I think the NFL is on its way towards that transition where guys like Wilson and Brady and you know some of these older guys, Cam Newton, who used to be great, uh, are kind of getting Debatable. out. Are, are kind of getting out the door, and um, I, I think it's it's time for some of these new younger guys to step up and come in. And uh, I think Herbert's one of them who's really going to lead the NFL. I think he can. He has the ability to be the Matt Ryan or Drew Brees of his era. And I, I think uh, I think he's going to do it. So I, I'm taking Chargers. I'm really high on Herbert as well. I think he's going to be really, really good. But I'm going to have to hit you with uh, Lee Corso not so fast. Uh, Minnesota <laughs> Washington is going to win this game. I really love their defense, yeah. and they've got Fitz Magic coming. So um, it's magic. I'm going to take the football team. Believe it or not, I have a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, football card with jersey felt in it from when he was on the Bills. Ah, one of his 27 football teams that he's played for in the NFL. Carolina B of A hosting the New York Football Jets Carolina four-point favorites. Give me the Panthers here easily. I don't even say that just because the Jets are without Carl Lawson and they're without Jared Davis and they don't have Keelan Cole going today and they don't have Jameson Crowder. I think they're the better football team. People are going to be excited at B of A here today. Give me the Panthers. Give me the Jets. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll be I'll be serious on this one. I'll You're take, fired. I'll take the Panthers. Uh, I'll stick with Carolina. They're going to win the first one. Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Carolina. McCaffrey is just too much for the Jets. Jacksonville. Oh boy, this is the PU Bowl if there ever was one. Jacksonville, three point underdogs as they travel to Houston. Oh man, do I have to pick this one? I thought the Falcons and the Eagles one at first was good, but this one stinks. I guess give me Jacksonville, Tyrod Taylor in Houston, and David Cutcliffe have about as much football IQ as my left pinky toe with cat with that's covered in calluses. So I guess I'll go with Urban. <laughs> Yo, what? Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to help me beat my uh, partner across the table here, uh, Zach, and and week one of fantasy football. Give me the Jaguars. I'll take yeah. Lawrence is going to be Lawrence is going to win this game. I'm really high on Trevor Lawrence yeah. coming into the NFL. As a prospect, uh, I don't think he's going to have an outstanding year this year, but the Jaguars win this game. Yeah. Moving down the list here, Browns four and a half point underdogs as they travel to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Michael, sorry if you're listening. Give me Patty. Give me Andy Reid. Give me the Chiefs. This is a tough, tough game for them. Cleveland is good, but they're not quite at the level of Kansas City yet. So I got to go with the Chiefs here. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make our good old buddy Joe Dandron happy. He's gonna have a good Sunday to start the NFL season. Baker Mayfield and the Browns, they're gonna upset the Chiefs. Everybody's gonna go nuts over it. It's gonna be a whole segment on Sports Center. Browns are gonna start the season one and up. If that happens, it'd be a whole lot more than one segment on Sports Center. It Probably. might be the whole show, but it's not gonna happen. Mahomes ten and zero with thirty two touchdowns and zero picks in the month of September in his career. Chiefs win this game. How do you know these things? Like, you just pull these things up out of nowhere. <laughs> Packers, three and a half point underdogs traveling out to New Orleans. Man, I got to go. I, I think Green Bay wins here. I know. I don't know if that lines because the, the odds makers thought that it was in the Superdome. It's actually in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. 
I got serious question marks, serious question marks about Jameis Winston's ability to not turn the ball over 85 times a game, so I'm going with the pack. Yeah, I was really surprised to find out that Jameis Winston was going to be the starting quarterback for New Orleans this season. I'm still really not sure on that, kind of like you, Stern. So, yeah, I think the Packers have a chance to be a dumpster fire this year. I think they don't know what the hell they're doing in that front office and what they want to do with Rodgers, but I still think they're going to win this game. Yeah, Packers win. Rodgers and Adams' connection is strong. The force is strong with this one. Rapid fire. We got to get through the last few games here. Broncos at Giants. Broncos three-point underdogs. PU. Give me the Giants. Saquon Barkley, give me Giants. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the Giants. Miami, three and a half point favorites as they travel to New England. Miami. Pretty easy uh, for me. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Tua. I will also take the Dolphins. Bears, eight point underdogs as they travel out to L.A. to take on the Rams. Oh, man, Andy Dalton's an enigma. Andy Dalton is an enigma. Andy Dalton is an enigma. Give me the Rams. Yeah, uh, I said everybody else in the NFC North is going to lose, and the Lions are going to win. The Bears are going to lose as well. Give me the Rams. Andy Dalton's going to carry me to upset Shabbat in fantasy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Rams win easily. Monday night football. This game's actually... Pretty dang impressive. Baltimore, four-point favorites as they travel out to face off against the fighting John Gruden, Spider 2Y Banana, (laughs) also known as Luke Sloan. So I'm going with Baltimore here. I do not trust Vegas in these big games. I don't really trust John Gruden. I don't trust Derek Carr. I don't trust anybody on that team. I like Harbaugh as a coach. He's actually the good coach, unlike his younger brother. So give me Baltimore. Yeah, I don't think uh, Lamar Jackson really fell off last season, but I think it wasn't quite, um, you know, his his MVP level. But um, I still think this is – so this is why you can't really say it, but you can. I think this is kind of the comeback year for Lamar and the Ravens. I think they have a chance to be one of the best teams in the NFL and, and maybe make some noise in the playoffs. Um, they, they, they've gotten there and just haven't been able to do it yet. Uh, uh, give me the Ravens. Give me Vegas. Um, Boo, you stink! <laughs> we'll find out on Monday night. Uh, I think that – this Vegas team's going to be better than people expect. Um, I do think Derek Carr has a lot of talent. I think people forget how good Derek Carr was when he had weapons around him. They've got some more weapons now. Jacobs is good in that backfield. Vegas is going to be a team to watch this Boo, year. Oh, you stink! We say this every year. It's like the Raiders are the NFC or the AFC version of the bloody Cowboys. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, folks, yeah. it's been a blast. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. This um, was a great. I, I hope Trent goes to every game. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to. That's the one thing I will say about him. They could be losing 45 to nothing, but his he, he, Lions he fans. bleeds blue. Honolulu blue, I was going to say, Lions fans are some of the most, what's the word, optimistic people in the world. You got to like, be. Yeah, I, I, you I, can't survive in, in this in this Lions fan culture without being optimistic. Or delusional, depending on which way you look at <laughs> it. But as always, thank you guys for listening to the Green and White Report. Happy almost Miami week. Happy. Oh, I guess it is Miami week now. Another great song, too. I was going to say, I still have not had a week where I've had normal classes. Like I don't have class Tuesday like Joanne's speaking in Chicago for some concussion thing. And I don't have class on Wednesday. So I just resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to have the weirdest academic schedule all year. (laughs) But for Zach Serdanek, for Brandon Shabath, I'm your man, Nathan Stearns, for Henry Menegos, Behind the Glass. His girlfriend, who he, I cannot remember the name of. I know she told me last night, but I I am Peyton so Thorne. bad with names. Peyton Thorne. Thorne. <laughs> oh, oh, 
Oh, yeah. I see what you did there. That's clever. All right, but thank you guys for listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Go Lions. We'll talk to you next time. You're fired. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports. <laughs>